Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called patreon.com slash BP show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yesterday in Florida, it was uh, in Tallahassee, Florida, the students versus the NRA, and the NRA won round one. But the students aren't gone away. What do you say, everybody? Great to see you today. Here we are, middle of the week, a Wednesday. Wednesday, February 21, The Bill Press Show, live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, with lots going on here uh, in Washington, around the country, especially down in Florida, around the world, um, Bibi Netanyahu, uh, even in more trouble in Israel, as uh, some of his top aides have been arrested and apparently are cooperating with the police in the investigation against him. It's only a matter of time before uh, he says sayonara. Uh, and we've got all of that to talk about with all of you. Uh, the big stories of the day. Yep, state legislature in Florida with the students there even refusing to debate a ban on assault weapons. Meanwhile, Donnie Jr. is over in India raking up money for the Trump family selling the presidency. Uh, and uh, by the way, and Condos in Trump Tower, India's Trump Tower, while he's at it. And Donald Trump yet again calls one of the women who accused him of uh, offensive sexual behavior, sexual assault, calling her a liar. You want to talk about it all? We want to hear from you. Your comments on all of the above and more. Send us your comments on Twitter. At BP Show, you are very much part of the conversation. We want to hear from you on Twitter, at BP Show. With all that news, we got to get right to it, and we will. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Yes, sir. Just a couple of other stories making news. If you're looking for love out there, there's a new dating website for you. It is all yes. for Trump supporters. Oh, Trump.dating oh, is the name of the website. You can they go deserve on each other. And you can date other Trump supporters, right? That's Of course that's the thing these days. But here's the thing. It was put together by a man uh, named John Riddleberger and his wife Jody. They are the co-founders of a Tea Party-inspired pack called Conservative for Guilford County. Now... They put together the site, and they have models on the front page. They're wearing Make America Great Again hats, a man mm-hmm. and a woman. Looks mm-hmm. like they're very happy, and they're in love. Here's the problem, though. WRAL reported that the man 
that is posing there was convicted of indecent liberties with a minor in 1995. He was caught having sex with a 15-year-old well, when he was He's 25. a perfect Trumper. He's a perfect Trumper. Exactly. Yeah. He was convicted in 2014. So, like you said, this certainly keeps in line with... Uh, Are you kidding? They hired him because he had a, a sex with a minor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Most of the time, that's, that's it goes against you on a no, resume. No, no, no. Not for working in the Trump White House. We go down to South Carolina, where a new bill proposed in the South Carolina <laughs> legislature would allow fines for men and boys who are walking around with sagging pants. Ooh. House Bill 4957 said it would be unlawful for a person to, quote, appear in public wearing his pants more than three inches below the crest of his uh, ilium, exposing his skin or undergarments, <laughs> end quote. That is, man, they'd have a hard time in Washington, D.C. collecting all the fines. They'd have to. Yeah, right. right. I, I think in m most cities around the country these days. It's hard to turn that into a law, legislating what people wear, right? Well, yeah, I want th This would be my when I was a teacher, and I used to have the dress code. You have to enforce the dress code, sure. right? That length, length of hair and the collar and all that stuff. We, are, we really want cops to be doing that? Yeah, no, no. It's not for. I, I don't think it's a very good idea. I must no. say, it's a look that I don't really appreciate. Sure, I'm I mean, not. I mean, I'm going to wear a belt, <laughs> right? But if you're not. I don't see how a cop. We have one regular. Cop we have one regular guest on this show. I won't mention his name, <laughs> whose pants are usually down around, you know, where they don't belong. <laughs> this is the Bill Press Show. Showdown in Florida yesterday. This was just round one in the post-Parkland, Florida gun control debate. Round one, the students lost. The NRA won, but it doesn't stop there, and the students are not going to go away. This tide is turning, and it's going to turn against the NRA. Hello, everybody. What do you say? Happy Wednesday. It is Wednesday, February 21. Great to see you. And thanks for joining us here. It's the Bill Press Show coming to you live uh, all across this great land of ours. Uh, yeah, it's a far reach to California, but we are there, Oregon, Washington, and every good place in between coming to you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show on this Wednesday. As always, also joining you on Free Speech TV. Thank you for joining us on DirecTV Free Speech and uh, out in the Chicago area, there you go, WCPT, the progressive voice of Chicago, loud and strong, as well as Indiana Talks throughout the state of Indiana. Hello, 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 and thank you for joining us. Look forward to hearing from you and your comments on the news of the day. Uh, send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, so we know uh, what you think about what's going on. And yes, indeed, it was uh, day one of the students from Parkland, uh, Stone, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, or Douglas Stoneman, I call it the Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, uh, who vowed that they were going to take this battle all the way to the White House, all the way to Washington, D.C., a battle to have some sensible, sensible 
and and common sense gun control measures in the wake of the tragic shooting at their school last week, which left 14 students and three teachers dead. Students said they're going to have the big march in Washington on March 24, but in the meantime, they were going to make their way to Tallahassee. Three busloads of them did yesterday to have Tallahassee, Florida, and the state capitol. Uh, and in uh, their honor, the fact that they were there, one of the state legislators in the House of Representatives, who last October had introduced a bill to ban assault weapons in the state of Florida, uh, said, well, this is a good day. Let's bring it up for a vote today. So he uh, introduced a measure to, it's sort of like they do in the Congress, you got to vote first on whether or not you're going to vote. You vote first on whether or not you're going to open a debate and allow a vote. And on that procedural vote, well, here's what the call was. All those in favor signify by saying yay. Yay! Opposed? No. No. Show the motion's not adopted. The clerk will unlock the machine and and, uh, open the board. So with the students sitting in the balcony, the state legislature says, by a vote, by the way, they did do the vote count as well. It was 71 to 36. The NRA won. The NRA, the people who took the money from the NRA and our good friend Igor Volsky and others uh, tweeted out yesterday the names of those legislators and how much money they took from the NRA. Uh, the NRA got 71 votes. Those for, for just doing the right thing, banning assault weapons, 36 votes. And the students are left brokenhearted, but not broken back. They are that this is this is just the beginning. But imagine that they wouldn't in Florida where this happened in Florida where the Pulse nightclub happened. They wouldn't even allow the measure to come up for a vote. They wouldn't even allow it to come up for debate and discussion. They wouldn't even open the so all this nonsense that you hear from some of these right-wingers. Oh, we're going to have, like the president today, we're going to have a listening session, right? Or we are open to ideas. No, they're not. This is a chance to, let's hear the ideas. Let's have an open debate. Let them get on the floor and tell us why, in God's name, they think anybody should have a military assault weapon in their home or in their car. They can't make that debate. They can't make that argument, and so they just voted down uh, even the opportunity again to give um, those who would like to see some sensible gun control measures to give them their day in court. How do you how do you do that? How do you make right. that vote in front of those kids right. that are there? Sick. And and by the way, sick. Not a close vote. No, no, no. Not a close vote. Right. You know what? It, the fact is, they don't care. They don't care. Rick Scott, the governor, doesn't care. Marco Rubio, U.S. senator, who said how heartbroken he was after the Pulse nightclub and has done absolutely nothing. Marco Rubio, who said how heartbroken he was at Park, in Parkland, Florida last week, and has now, all he's saying is, well, we just can't do stuff that's going to make us feel good. He has done absolutely nothing. I just hope they feel the wrath of the Florida voters, both of those two, in particular, uh, this year when Rick Scott has the audacity to think that he could run for the for the U.S. Senate. You know, uh, if there's a Democrat running, 
uh, or w- when a Democrat runs, because as we've pointed out, Democrats should run in every district. They should just say, like, look, I know some of these kids are too young to vote, but they have parents. And if you want your kids to feel safe in the schools, we're going to do this, right? Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever yeah. it is. I, I realize it's going to be different from state to state, right? I, but except nothing less. I would make this the number one issue. Uh, and so, again, that was just round one. Um, and uh, uh, the hearing from these students, they are um, don't they're not they're not they're not going to be uh, as discouraged as uh, as some people think that they're going to say, oh, now, well, we can't do it. I guess we're going to run away. Uh, uh-uh, not this group. And that's what I want to get to next. There was and th- this this really pissed me off. Um, there was a concerted effort begun yesterday. And this happens all the time. So remember um, when Kazir Khan spoke at the Democratic National Convention, right? So what's the first thing he said about him? Oh, he's some radical Muslim from the Muslim Brotherhood. He's a terrorist, right? He says, speaking about his son who gave his life for us in Iraq wearing the U.S. military uniform, a Muslim. When the Me Too movement started and women started speaking out, what did so many people, starting with the president of the United States, say about them? Oh, they're all liars. All these women are liars. You can't believe them. They're just making this up. Some of them are being paid to say this, right? Just It's Democrats who are paying these women to say this to attack Republicans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw that. It's this effort right away to try to demean and to insult and to slander uh, the people who are trying to do the right thing or, or fighting for the right thing. It has started big time now against the high school students in Florida. Yesterday in Florida, there was a legislative aide to a state rep in, this, in the state legislature who actually sent an email to a reporter saying that two of the seniors at uh, the high school in Parkland, Florida, were paid actors. Uh, that legislative aide has been fired. There was absolutely zero evidence of that. Don't know where it came from, but it it's, didn't have to be. Online, social media, saying, oh, these guys are fired. Well, that was bad enough. But yesterday, there was a paid CNN contributor, a former Georgia congressman, Republican congressman, Jack Kingston, uh, on New Day yesterday morning, Allison Camerata interviewing him because he had put out a tweet over the weekend saying something basically uh, that these uh, students didn't know what they were talking about uh, and they must have been being paid by some left-wing groups. Uh, Jack Kingston goes on um, CNN yesterday. I, I keep coming back to this. He is paid on CNN, paid to say this. Do we really think that, and, and I say this sincerely, do we really think 17-year-olds on their own are going to plan a nationwide rally? I, I would say to you very plainly that uh, organized groups that are out there, like mm-hmm. George Soros, are always ready to take the charge, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like instant rally, instant protest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's Allison Camerato, who was pissed herself because she... She popped off on him. She after. popped off on him. Uh, I've got the whole exchange. So she was... Allison, who's great, I really love her, she, she, uh, she was down there talking to these kids. She reported from that high school. She came back and she said, hey, Jack, 
I'm sorry. I have to correct you. I was down there. I talked to these kids. These kids were wildly motivated. I talked to these kids before they knew the body count of how many of their friends have been killed. And he starts, Allison, Allison. She said, no, Jack. No one had talked to them yet. They had not been indoctrinated by some some left-wing group. They were motivated from what they saw and what they endured during that ordeal. And he says, well, I don't doubt their sincerity. And she slashed back, yes, you do. Good for her. Damn. Yeah, good for her. I mean, the audacity to say that these kids, by the way, who've done something you and I've never had to do, they stared right down the barrel of an AR-15. They watched their fellow students shot down, murdered their teachers. They they lived with that fear. And there's stories you read. You hear them and you read their stories. And one young girl said she she ran all the way to Walmart and she gets into Walmart and she felt safe in Walmart. And then she discovered that the killer had gone to Walmart. You know, I mean, to imagine this trauma. And they come out of that and they just have had it with all this cowardly backing away from doing anything sensible about guns and leaving them and their families just absolutely vulnerable to any idiot could walk in, buy one of these guns and walk into their school. And then somebody turns around and says, oh, they're just being used. They're just being, they're just being used as tools by the left-wing propagandists, by people like George Soros. You know what? They don't even know, they don't even know who George Soros is. It's just absolutely, they're no, no. I, I, I wish CNN would say, if you don't have any facts to back up a charge like that, you're fired. Get off the air. Why do they let them make just totally baseless charges like that uh, on on CNN? At any rate. By the way, he's not alone in this. He's not alone. Out, we, no, we, we, he's not we, alone. We talked yesterday about how Donald Trump Jr. had liked a tweet from some right-wing outlet, Gateway Pundit, and, and they had made this argument that, well, one of the kids from the school, his father, mm-hmm. it was in the FBI, and, uh, and apparently yep. held, uh, did not like Donald Trump, right? right? And so that alone is a reason that these kids uh, are, are paid actors. Dinesh D'Souza, yeah. I'm not going to give him any, any more uh, uh, press, but oh, he yeah. was on Twitter yesterday sort of praising the Florida lawmakers for uh, for voting this down, the, the for not even having the vote oh, on the assault yeah. weapons. He just right. said, adults won, kids zero. And it's... Kind, I mean, it's not kind of grotesque. It is grotesque, but it's also just like somebody, some of these establishment thinking Republicans, which there are fewer and fewer these days, has got to come out and just say, this is crazy. Yeah. This is too much. When you're attacking Uh, kids, you've lost the argument. The other thing uh, Kingston said yesterday, I also know they probably do not have the logistical ability to plan a nationwide rally without it being hijacked by groups that already had the pre-existing anti-gun agenda. Well, you know what? This is not only Jack Kingston showing his stupidity. He's showing his age. He's just too freaking old to understand that the world has changed. There's something out there called Twitter and Facebook and social media. And you know what? These kids have the uncanny ability online to do something that nobody of his age ever even thought possible. Look at the Me Too movement. Look at the Black Lives Matter movement, right? Look at Occupy Wall Street. They do have the ability, and they already have. Look at the Women's March on Washington. It started from a woman in Hawaii who just said to a couple of friends, you know, we ought to have a march in Washington. And there are a million people that turned out here, right? 
It can happen overnight today. He doesn't freaking get it, right? These students do because they're right and they are resonating around the country and people are responding. Look what happened in front of the White House just uh, two days ago. And you know this march in Washington is going to be huge. And, and look at the attention, uh, or again, around the country with groups are forming and other protests and other marches. This is happening spontaneously. You know, it's like here in, in, in Washington, I'm sorry, yeah, here in Washington, where <clears throat> when we used to have snow, when we used to have winter in Washington. The good um, old days. Remember, there were these snowball fights in DuPont Circle. Now, how do they happen? It just happened because people got on Twitter and said, let's have a snowball. Suddenly, thousands of people show up and they're throwing snowballs, right? It's a different world, Jack Kingston. And these, Stephen Colbert said something I thought very powerful last night. He said, this country belongs to the kids. It does. It doesn't belong to Jack Kingston and those old farts. No, they don't get it. They don't understand it. And I've got, I've got to tell you, I really feel hopeful that this movement is 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 working. It's going to get traction. It's getting traction. It's going to get even more traction, and it's not going to stop until they roll the NRA and roll these politicians who are supporting the NRA. By the way, you talk about Twitter. Uh, we did yesterday around this time put up a yeah, poll. Right. Will the Parkland students and all of the other kids <laughs> started to protest mass shooting be the push we need for gun sense laws? We just asked yes or no. Poll is still open. It's almost closed. Uh, yes, 66%. No, 34%. Ooh. Yeah. So they agree with you, Bill. This might actually be the push that they were looking for. Keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. Keep hope alive, indeed. Uh, so meanwhile, uh, and people are saying, well, this is a sign. Okay, I, I just, okay. I, I want to warn you here, okay? Watch out for the BS, all right? Don't buy the BS from the White House. But they're starting to feel a little heat down there. And so now they're saying, oh, yeah, of course, President Trump, he's, he's ready to make some changes. In fact, he said yesterday, we have to have, and th- this, this is uh, the new refrain. Well, we have to, Marco Rubio tried this line too. Yeah, we have to do something, but we have to not just do stuff that makes us feel good. We have to do real stuff. Here's Donald Trump. We must move past cliches and tired debates mm-hmm. and focus on evidence-based solutions and security measures that actually work. He could not sound more bored. No, no. Like, this is not something he gives to you-know-what's about. Right, no. Doesn't give a rat's ass. Never has, never has. Uh, and so, and doesn't certainly doesn't understand it. So what they're saying is, as proof that Donald Trump has seen the light, is first of all that he is, uh, here's the key word, open. <laughs> he is open to doing something about background checks. All right, well, BFD, <clears throat> right? Uh, let's not applaud that at all or even feel good about that until we know what is he willing to do, when is he willing to do it, how far is he willing to go. I don't believe, I mean, He's talking about a bill that uh, Texas Senator John Cornyn introduced last year that never went anywhere, which would have made like a tiny, tiny little change to gun to the background checks. I'm not even sure what, but it was basically a BS bill. If that's all Donald Trump is talking about, forget it. And you know what? Even if, even if it's a strong background check, like California, let's say 10-day waiting period in California, a uh, little tangent here. That was challenged 
in, by the NRA in the Supreme Court, and yesterday the Supreme Court said, no, we're not going to hear that case. We'll let California do what they want to do. Only Clarence Thomas voted to hear that case. Eleven, eleven just no, I'm sorry, nine, eight justices, including John Roberts, said, no, we'll let the California law stand. A 10-day waiting period. So, But even if Donald Trump came up with a very, very tough background check, that's still not all we need to do. We've got to get those. Remember we had somebody in yesterday talking about the number of guns in this country. New York Times has a count this morning. 310 million firearms in the hands of civilians in this country. That's one for every adult and child in America. So we got to do something about the easy sick. access to we guns, so especially sick. the access to uh, assault weapons. So that's the first thing on Donald Trump. The other thing now they've added um, that uh, Donald Trump wants to do something about bump stocks. And that, in fact, after Las Vegas, which was last October 1, remember, uh, Donald Trump said uh, um, then he was— yeah, he was already president, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he uh, asked the Department of Justice to look into possible regulations to not ban, but make it more difficult to get a bump stock, something like that. But he never said anything about it. Never said anything about it. It's total news to us when they, they mentioned this yesterday. And the Department of Justice never did anything about it. And Donald Trump never asked Congress to do anything about it. And yesterday when he talked about it, all he talked about was, yeah, I've asked the Department of Justice to look into this. In other words, it means nothing. And again, remember, this was after the Vegas mass massacre, the worst in the history of this country. Republicans and Democrats on the Hill all said, let's go right now to totally ban these bump stocks, which allow someone to take an AR-15 basically turn it into uh, a machine gun. It was unanimous. I mean, everybody you talked to said, yes, okay, these should not be a thing. And then the NRA spoke up, opposed that, even opposed that. That's why the NRA has no credibility today. Uh, And um, nothing happened there. And did we hear from Donald Trump about the bump stocks then during that whole debate? No, negative. So don't give Donald Trump a pass now saying that Donald Trump has suddenly seen the light and he is leading the way on gun safety measures. No, he's not. No, he's not. He may get there. I hope he does. I think I said this yesterday. This could be a Nixon in China moment for Donald Trump on guns. It could be. But I don't think he's got the balls to do it. I I don't think he has the balls to do it. I also just don't think he has the interest in it. He just doesn't doesn't have the interest. He He doesn't doesn't have the intelligence even to do it. But this is an opportunity. I mean, he could really step up and be a hero on this issue uh, but I think the train will uh, pass him by. Uh, meanwhile, uh, he's not a hero on another issue. There is a woman by the name of uh, Rachel Crooks. She was, I think, 24 years old. She was a young woman, got a job as a receptionist in Trump Tower 12 years ago. Uh, she says, and she will not back down from her story, that she was there on her job and in walks Mr. Trump himself into the lobby, walks over to her, grabs her, plants a kiss on her with his tongue in her mouth that lasted for some two minutes. Donald Trump yesterday, you would think the president of the United States might have more important things to do. You would think. 
You would think that if you were accused of this, you might not be the one who's going to be continuing to go out there and talk about it. One of 20 women, by the way, who have accused him of anything from sexual assault to uh, sexual harassment to sexual assault to rape. But he can't stop talking about it, so he puts out a tweet yesterday. Where else? On yep. Twitter, of course. Uh, Donald Trump tweeting yesterday, quote, A woman I don't know and, to the best of my knowledge, never met is on the front page of the fake news Washington Post saying I kissed her for two minutes yet in the lobby of Trump Tower 12 years ago. Never happened. Who would do this in a public space with live security cameras running? Another false accusation. Why doesn't Washington Post report the story of the women taking money to make up stories about me? One had her home mortgage paid off. Only Fox News reported. Doesn't fit the mainstream media narrative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I mean, by the way, doesn't this reflect exactly what I said about what they're saying about the students? Students are taking money from George Soros, and Donald Trump is saying these women are taking money from, I don't know who, right? Jeffrey yeah. Katzenberg, or I mean, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, right. No, it's the whole thing. Try to call them liars and say they're being paid to tell these stories. Again, when you have twenty women, and when you have Donald Trump himself on that famous Access Hollywood tape bragging about doing exactly what she said he did, except he didn't. She doesn't say he grabbed her privates, but the planting, the forcing, the kiss. When you have twenty women who are saying that, <clears throat> uh, you can believe the women. Uh, but she said yesterday again. I'm not surprised he called me a liar. That's what he's. That's what he calls all the women who who have uh, made any uh, charges against him. But by the way, it's it's interesting in his tweet where he says, "Who would do this in a public space with live security?" D- Donald Trump running? would. He did. He already yeah. has. Yes, yes. Donald Trump would and has exactly. Hey, one final thing before we take a break here. Um, Got to tell you, uh, went last night as a member of the White House Correspondents Association and the White House Press Pool. We had a little um, special little panel last night, a program where they brought in Mike McCurry, who was Bill Clinton's uh, press secretary uh, starting two years into the presidency, not at the very beginning. He came in right before Monica Lewinsky, Lewinsky, poor guy. Um, Mike McCurry and Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, on a panel together. uh, And it was very, very interesting. Um, Two things. Number one. Uh, McCurry said that he is the one who introduced cameras into the White House briefing room. He regrets it. He wishes he had never done it. He thinks they ought to shut the cameras down. You could run the cameras, but you cannot carry the briefing live. You could only use clips of it in your reports later that night when you're when you're doing the evening news. Uh, I strongly disagree with Mike McCurry on that. I think the transparency. Uh, is most important, and let the American people, no matter where they are, see the entire briefing beginning to end and make their own judgment about which reporters are asking good questions and whether or not the administration is telling the truth. Um, And I think it's been a very successful program, and I I thank McCurry for putting the cameras in. I disagree with him that we ought to take them out, number one. But the other thing that McCurry said, he turned to Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and I tweeted this out last night, and said... You know, if we want to talk about how to make the briefings better, we want to talk about how the administration and the white and the press corps can work better together to get the truth out to the American people. He said, your president has to stop talking about calling us enemies of the people. That doesn't help. And he's got to stop complaining about fake news. 
that doesn't help. And he turned to her and said, you have to tell your president that he has to change the way that he talks about the media. Good for him, man. Good for him. And she had nothing to say to that, actually. Other than say, well, we really love the media. We respect that. How can you say we don't? Yeah. He said, because you yeah, call clearly. fake news and because you call it the enemy of the people. But good for him. Um, I, uh, I, I I wanted to stand up and cheer, but it was not that kind of a gathering. <laughs> All right. We got so much to talk about, including what is happening in, in cybersecurity and what are we doing about the fact that we know the Russians not only meddled in the 2016 election, um, but they're probably at it again here in the midterms. Patrick Tucker joins us from Defense One coming up here on this uh, Wednesday edition of the Bill Press Show. This is the Bill Press Show. You bet it is on this Wednesday, February 21, the Bill Press Show. We are there with you wherever you are in this great country, starting out from our studio on Capitol Hill uh, in Washington, D.C., Good to have you with us today. Great to join you for our little roundup of the news, uh, as always, uh, from the left. Yeah, speaking of from the left, did you order your copy yet? If not, do it today. comes out less than a month from now, uh, and you can. Uh, this is the time to get your order in for a signed copy. Uh, from the left, A Life in the Crossfire. It's uh, my story so far about a lot of the fun things that uh, I've uh, um, been lucky enough to do and the people I've met along the way and some great stories. Uh, no secrets left after this book comes out. I mean, like you probably didn't, Peter, even you probably didn't know that uh, I used to play the accordion. Do you still play the accordion? Do Are you, you still kidding? Know how to? <laughs> <laughs> Put one in my arms. I still don't think I could do it. I don't know. I'd but I actually played try. in a national accordion contest once. No, did you really? Mm -hmm. Yep, there you go. We're up in New York City, so, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, all, amazing. All kinds of those embarrassing things, but a little more important things, too, about hanging out with Bill Clinton and Barack Obama and Jerry Brown and Bernie Sanders. Uh, it's all here uh, at a great price, 40% discount. So the book is only sixteen seventy nine. I'll sign it for you. Uh, go to our website, BillPressShow.com, and get your order in uh, today. Uh, and uh, in those days, there was no Internet. There was no cybersecurity problem. But, boy, there is today. And Patrick Tucker from Defense One is all over it. Hello, Patrick. Hey, how are you? Uh, fine. It's good to see you. So um, I saw yesterday that uh, uh, the president was saying, we got to get serious about this cybersecurity stuff and yeah, Department of Justice or somebody's got to do something about it. Uh, what are they doing about what well, first? What is cybersecurity? Uh, well, that's just the uh, our ability to keep the information that we create in an online environment uh, safe and going to the parties that it's intended to go to and not being stolen uh, by third parties and then used to steal our credit, steal our money or steal elections, whatever you like. So, Or like shut down a transportation system, right? Uh, right, because that's part of information, too, grid. that's going between uh, two institutions related to infrastructure. And uh, that's also a big issue. Um, so the U.S. Is, government has is been... There, I'm sorry, go yeah, ahead. The, the U.S. government uh, has been focused on uh, cybersecurity related 
related to institutions and infrastructure, and that's uh, for a long time, since 2014, really in a concerted way, uh, and and before that in a more disorganized way, uh, going back uh, really since they started hooking pieces of infrastructure up to uh, larger uh, command and control systems that had external ports. But uh, the interest in securing uh, portions of the infrastructure that are related to voting, uh, that goes back to the Obama administration. But uh, even yesterday, as you point out, uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions announced a cybersecurity task force related to the next election. Um, And that's uh, important. It it also comes on the back of DHS Secretary uh, Nelson Nielsen, uh, you had to put the I in there, yeah. meeting uh, in a classified uh, setting with election officials from across the country. Uh, these are the folks that actually secure the hardware that people use to, to vote. And so, like, what that that's important because I want to know, like, you know, what happens in this classified setting. I mean, did we discuss how vulnerable these machines were in 2016? Did we talk about what they are now? Um, but, the, but the important thing to understand about uh, election-related uh, cybersecurity and infrastructure is that um, uh, voting machines... Uh, even the ones that uh, are highly computerized are generally not connected to the external internet. So uh, there's a lot you can do to change um, uh, potentially like voter roles, the you know lists of people that are uh, kind of allowed to vote. There's uh, it's hard to do that without kind of causing. Uh, some conspicuous notice. Uh, you can steal that information and then use it for targeted advertising, but actually changing votes, that's uh, a much harder thing to do when there's no evidence that that has been done, but it does involve basically going into warehouses where these voting machines are, and uh, from there, when you actually have access to them, then it becomes very easy. Well, are you saying that our voting machines... Well, I guess put it, if if they can hack into the Pentagon, right? Yeah. Or if they can hack into um, the White House, mm-hmm. why can't they hack into a voting machine? Because uh, voting machines generally aren't connected to the internet, so you have to like that's the whole thing. It it there has to be some uh, vein that's connected to the outside world where you can have remote access. So when in two thousand and uh, 15. Well, why aren't they connected to the internet? Because it would be a terrible idea. But you had to count the votes. Yeah, they count the votes. They don't count them. They don't go in there and and look, click, 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 click. That's electronically they count the votes. They do count them electronically, but they don't uh, count them remotely. So that's the difference is that like they have to have election officials at these places that then go in, they uh, exfiltrate the data from the machines and then they count them at, on a local level. They don't uh, like there's not some election person that sits and watches the tallies roll in from all the voting machines all over. And that's that's a safety precaution that they designed into these. That's um, clearly very needed. But uh, the machines themselves, uh, uh, if you have actual physical access to them, remain very insecure. But that's only one part of uh, our voting infrastructure. There's also the voting rolls, which are kept in databases, which yeah. generally are accessible to the Internet. Right. And so that's uh, a vulnerability that also needs to be fixed. And this is something that the Department of Homeland Security, going back to the previous administration, has pointed out is a, is a big problem. So do we know that we are doing anything about it? Well, there's this task force. 
Um, so created yesterday. Yeah, there's the, there's the uh, task force created yesterday. There's a classified uh. meeting between the Department of Homeland Security secretary and various election officials. Um, In other the, words, the answer is no. Well, yeah, the, the, the answer is uh, there's lots of uh, public movements to suggest that we're doing things, really going back again to the Obama administration that first made the decision to classify uh, voting machines and voting, uh, like pieces of our uh, right. voting world as infrastructure. And that designation has a big difference because that means you have to treat uh, cybersecurity in that as seriously as you would cybersecurity in a power plant. And so that's that basically means that actually if there's a huge so, problem with voting infrastructure, even the National Guard can get involved, which is which they haven't yet, but that right. is a big deal. All right. So it seems to me there, there, so there are kind of two things going on, on right. cyber in this whole cyber world. Right. That's one is right. the cybersecurity infiltrating the information network or whatever, right? right. Highway. Right. And then, then at the same time, you've got the Russians that we know of yeah. using the Internet to really right. – um, mess things up or confuse things in the election with phony ads, phony organizations, phony protests. Right, right. There's a ton of these. And importantly, it affected both sides of like the political spectrum. So uh, this is part of modern day uh, what uh, the... Mueller indictment on Friday identifies as information warfare. I mean, that's kind of what a lot of us, uh, when we when we saw that, when we read that indictment against 13 individuals associated with the St. Petersburg Troll Factory, we're like, wow, information warfare made it into this indictment. So this is, uh, yeah, a, a big aspect of the way the Kremlin is basically trying to change people's opinions and very perceptions of reality in order to affect political outcomes and influence the election. So let's say some specific examples there were rallies right right that were spot uh, the pro-trump rallies and anti-trump rallies right all organized from afar by uh members of this basically employees of this saint petersburg troll factory the ira which is run by uh this guy that actually he he uh, runs a series of restaurants in in moscow and he's very close associates with putin he's even called putin chef and uh so the, these rallies orchestrated from afar by saint petersburg if you were participating in them, you had no clue of that because what's sort of amazing about this indictment So you is would learn about this, but you went on Facebook and find out that there's a... Right. If you went on Facebook... Anti-Trump and, rally in front of the White House today. Right. Uh, sponsored by some phony group, right? Right. Well, what, so one of the best ones was Muslims for Hillary, which is, of course, like... <laughs> so, right. I mean, and, and, and I'm sure that there were lots of Muslims that voted for Hillary, but the, the creation of that group was a deliberate piece of information warfare because, you, I mean, the hope was that it would be so controversial and antagonistic to the opposing side that then you would create, like, a, a kind of false panic, and that's what they did. They actually tricked people into... Uh, and, and also paid people into showing up, organizing uh, rallies on both sides of an issue, and and made uh, it brought into existence uh, discord and antagonism that might not exist otherwise. Um, all over, um, sort of like a uh, basically by creating a perception that that wasn't exactly true. But they also capitalize on on uh, schisms within society that already exist that we already talk about on social media. Well, so. I read somewhere yesterday that. Uh, immediately after the Parkland, Florida shooting, mm-hmm. that these guys were up to it uh, on both sides of the gun control yeah. uh, debate. Yeah. So what is their purpose? 
just well, to further divide Americans? This is, <laughs> and this has become a really interesting uh, sort of like point of debate uh, since the indictments on Friday. So if you went back to the summer of 2016 and you talked to members of the intelligence community, they would say Russia is trying to interfere in our election, and it seems like their intention is to create disruption and uh, to... Uh, antagonize people and and so discord and Hillary Clinton would say this is they're also looking to uh, undermine my campaign and Donald Trump would say that's all nonsense by the way Russia if you're listening can you please find Hillary Clinton's missing emails an actual direct yeah, quote right skip ahead to uh, right before the election and the intelligence community changes their story a little bit and this is a huge part of the problem is is how slow they were to begin to talk about these efforts uh, they change their story a little bit and they say actually we've decided that one of the intentions of the Kremlin in this regard was to influence the election in favor of Donald Trump, which was pretty conspicuous if you were actually watching the fake content that they were creating, actually watching the influence campaign pan out. Hillary Clinton says, well, I told you so, and I'm very angry. Uh, Donald Trump uh, begins to call the entire thing a hoax. You enter into the investigation, which is trying to gauge the degree to which uh, the Trump campaign actively participated in these matters or was an unwitting beneficiary. And that's really what the Mueller investigation is all about, figuring out the degree of active participation, knowing, and collusion on their side. Right. And and now you get to the point where yesterday, in an indictment, the, the Mueller team has to say, no, the intent was very clearly to effect change for uh, Donald Trump, but Donald Trump has to change his talking points, acknowledge the reality of the active measures campaign without acknowledging that it, it uh, helped him or delegitimized his win. And so now their talking point is, well, they're just trying to sow discord and disharmony. And if everyone can go ahead and, and get behind me and, and stop with this investigation, which is hurting our our harmony, then <laughs> then then we'll all be better off and then we'll beat the Russians. So you watch this talking point evolve from not happening, never happening to clearly it's happening, uh, but it's not happening because I colluded. And if we just drop this whole thing, then uh, they'll well, stop having an effect. But Donald Trump hasn't even said that yet. He hasn't acknowledged that they interfered in our or tried to interfere in our election yet. Well, he's over. He? Well, it's. I it's, mean, so you I haven't heard it, 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 it he, on Twitter. He's the last it. he said Vladimir. He said I asked Vladimir Putin, and Putin told me he didn't do it, and so I believe Vladimir Putin. That's true, and that is one of the many things that Donald Trump has said. Donald Trump is like <laughs> <laughs> the great thing. If I were so, if, if I were to write a, a fun like sort of Black Mirror like version of of the Donald Trump presidency, uh, it would be funny because sort of like screen there would be like five of them, and you would have access to different ones at different points in oh, the day. Yeah. So uh, yes. He, he definitely has said that, and that is a talking point that he relies on every so often. Since Friday's indictment, he's also said, uh, tried to place blame for the Russian hacking on the Obama administration not doing enough. Right. Which is a, which is a, a new tack that he's taken, especially on Twitter. Oh, yeah, the last few days, this has been the new, the right. new thing. It's right. Been, but I, I imagine Donald that he'll— Trump and everybody else. Sean yeah. Hannity, we played that Sean Hannity clip the other night. Right. right. When Obama in the Rose Garden, I was there when he said— You'd have to be crazy to think that Russia would be able to influence, undermine our uh, election. And basically, we're not going to do anything about it. And Donald right. Trump should stop whining about it. Right, right. So, so you will so go should back Obama to, have done more? Yes. Yes, he should have. Yes, he should have. And and the reason why they didn't do like more— what? Than, well, uh, so 
I, I don't know if you saw this, but Joe Biden at an at a event at the Council of Foreign Relations a little while ago said that in the summer of 2016, uh, there was an effort to, to like make a bipartisan statement condemning Russian activity. And that was back when it was still pretty politically safe to do it. You could just say the Russians are here. They're trying to make discord. Imagine. Uh, it was politically safe to criticize the Russians. I know. Mitch Today Ma- it's not. Yeah, Mitch McConnell shot it down because it was going to make Mitch McConnell shot it down is what Joe Biden has said. And I would love to see, you know, uh, a because lot. Some more questions about that. Well, it's going to undermine uh, potentially Donald Trump. Uh, And and so it was a pure tactical strategic play that uh, I find very cynical and not very patriotic. But uh, that's uh, at at the same time, I was I remember covering this in July of 2016 and, and finding all sorts of intelligence sources that couldn't go on the record to say this is happening. So instead, you had to rely on the private cybersecurity community. You had to rely actually on, on CrowdStrike and their findings. Uh, and, and meanwhile, I could talk to people on background in the intelligence community that would say this is absolutely happening. But it took until October when uh, James Clapper uh, and the, uh, the national security community put together a report saying this is happening happening. So from July to October, you basically have no opportunity to shoot uh, down this idea that this is fake. And that gets into fake news and how to protect against it. And this is the thing that we've learned well, very recently. All right. Well, well, that's a good question. I mean, how I mean, first of all, you've got the social media companies themselves. Right. That were taken in. Right. Now, maybe they were just taken in because they were offered so much money, but it wasn't that much money, right? No, it wasn't no. billions and billions of dollars. Uh, so how can they filter out what comes to them, right? right. People are using them to spread this fake news, really, mm-hmm. uh, about these fake organizations, fake rise and everything. And then you've got people like all of us on right. the receiving end. right who go on Facebook or Twitter and they see this stuff, and how do we know to believe it or, or, or not? Right. So let's start with, the, with like, Facebook, Google, and those companies. What, what can they do? Yeah, it's it's a it's a very uh, tricky problem for them because this is it was uh, particularly Facebook, wasn't it? Yeah, was... it was particularly Facebook, and and uh, a VP of advertising at Facebook kind of embarrassed himself over the weekend and in a sense apologized for suggesting that uh, the intent of the Russians wasn't to sway the election for Donald Trump because he's looking specifically at ad buys, uh, and in fact the activity on Facebook by the Kremlin was extended far beyond uh, ad buys. Um, so, but they're kind of in a, in a catch twenty two. They can't really do much in part because the way these, these systems work work is you've got a small handful of people. They're mostly hardcore programmers, and mostly what they do is just keep the services on and keep the new the new services uh, available to as many users as possible. There's no money in stopping like users from uh, accessing fake news. That's not something that has affected their bottom line. Um, Facebook and some others have engaged with third parties like uh, a, an organization called First Draft to try and vet news items that show up. Uh, but the thing that comes out in this Mueller indictment is that these uh, this troll factory was getting pretty resourceful in the way that they were creating content to slip through Facebook filters. They were using virtual private networks with servers located in the United States so that you couldn't trace the traffic back to St. Petersburg. So they're really, um, they're they're kind of in a tricky position actually trying to stop this stuff uh, in the way that they exist right now until they, uh, the arrival of a new social network that takes this sort of thing seriously. So really the onus is very much on us. And the way that uh, we can stop uh, or, or better— we, under- you mean individuals or individual, the government? Individual consumers of news. All right. Uh, and I All think right. government, sure. 
but the way that we can better understand how this stuff happens, um, there's some new research to suggest that if uh, you can reach people uh, and tell them about fake news that is expected to be coming out, uh, if, a fake news campaign that's as specific as possible, but even very generally, then then you can sort of inoculate them against the influences of propaganda. And that's the best way to do it. So um, it's something that you, t- you, you might want to take on by yourself. There's a... Uh, uh, there's an article that I wrote recently. There's a couple of researchers from Cambridge that actually created like a video game where you play a fake news troll. And what they found through you know research is that if you uh, are f- sort of forced to adopt that persona in a virtual setting and actually use many of the tactics and tricks that uh, this troll factory used, then you become much more skeptical of fake news items that come in front of you. So you can actually learn to detect this stuff and understand it but, if you understand <laughs> the tactics. Yeah. But nobody's going to, I mean... How, no one's going to play this game? Nobody's going to play that video game, right? right? Every time, all right, I see something on Facebook. Before I believe it, I'm going to go to this video game right. and play this video. No, that's, nev- that's never going to happen. Right. Well, and here's where it comes down to, like, social... People are go- right. People believe what they see on television. They believe what they read in the newspaper. They believe what they see online. Yeah. Well, especially... Right? right. It's especially when it comes from their peer and friend circle. Yes. So that's a huge right. part of it, too. This is what uh, another aspect of what yeah, the like, current research has shown. Sure. Certain yeah. people... I, I know one person in particular, anything that he sees on Fox and Friends, he believes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, what yes. influence does he have? Uh, yeah, that's right. I, I, wonder name he, an, I wonder if he's watching us. I no, wouldn't, yeah, right. <laughs> I wouldn't name any names, yeah. right? but uh, yeah. So you're doing a wonderful job, Steve Ducey. I love <laughs> I love what you're doing here this morning. Wonderful report, Steve Ducey. <laughs> you can even tweet that out. Yeah, I know, I know. Think about that. Yeah. I know it's really I mean, the idea that Steve Ducey would be the ultimate source of I know truth information for and information for I, for the nation. That yeah, is scary. I, I tweeted something That's really scary like three years ago that said to the something like. Can you imagine being the type of person that wakes up in the morning and gets all of their news from Steve Ducey? <laughs> and now we have that person as president. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, literally. That's kind of horrifying. Duceyville. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> this is sort of related, but you've written about it, and I wanted to ask you about because I was intrigued by this. That I guess it relates to cybersecurity somehow. It but does. the Pentagon is getting this money to shoot down drones? Yes. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, you you mean uh, uh, to counteract UAVs? Yeah, I yeah. Guess. I saw the headline here about. Uh, anyhow, go ahead. Yeah, but. no, the, this has been a huge problem for the Pentagon, uh, uh, highlighted by operations in yeah, Syria. Yeah, sixty-six million dollars. Oh, wait. Down. No, these North Korean missiles. Oh, right. So the Pentagon, yeah, that's true. Uh, so the Missile Defense Agency in the last budget request gets $66 million for a program called the uh, Low Power Laser Demonstrator Program. And the intent is to affix onto a UAV about the size of a uh, predator, uh, General Atomics Avengers, like the size of a small Cessna. So it's a, it's a big drone, but a small plane, small enough to kind of slip under radar. They're going to try and stick a laser on it in the... 
I want to say 50 to 150 kilowatt range, but they still keep the wattage classified from me, which is ridiculous because I can just speculate. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, and the point is to uh, destroy a, a North Korean missile during what's called the boost phase. This is when it's oh, easiest yeah. to hit these things. It's right when it's taking off. It's created a big plume of, of fire that's detectable with a thermal satellite in space. And just because of physics and, and uh, also geometry, that's when it's easiest to take these things out. So the point is to get the drone beneath North Korean air defenses, uh, and because it's small enough, beneath their radar, have it near, like a bunch of these nearby, and when they start to launch one of these, probably with a mobile rocket launcher, thank you, with a mobile rocket launcher, the laser comes in, knocks that sucker out. This That's is a, insane. That is the this kind is of our... totally insane. Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're our only hope. <laughs> Listen, <Yeah>. this is... <laughs> the problem is that, and this is a thing that uh, the Missile Defense Agency and the Pentagon haven't been like really super forthright about uh, we've given this uh, agency and our, the Pentagon just gobs of money uh, in the to hundreds of billions this? of well no hundreds of billions of dollars specifically to shoot down uh, missiles and try to intercept yeah. them it's real hard and we're doing pretty mediocre just in terms of yeah. our own testing yeah. well, so when the, when the show actually comes we don't have a great idea of how well these will actually perform but we do know that physics says if you can knock it out in the boost phase that's your best shot and so and so we're doing this it's expected to be online in 2020. Yeah, this is the latest iteration of Star Wars, right? Which has been bogus from the beginning, as far as I'm concerned. At any rate, Patrick, we're out of time, but what good, what great work, great stuff. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Big showdown in Florida yesterday at the state legislature in Tallahassee. Uh, and the NRA won. The students lost. But that's just round one. Uh, the students are not going to go away. They are determined. And in the end, they will prevail. I believe... Hello, everybody. What do you say on a Wednesday? Great to see you. Thanks for joining us. It is the Bill Press Show, and we are with you wherever you are in this great land of ours on radio and television online, uh, coming to you from our studio in Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., with all the news of the day, such as it is. We've got our eye on what's happening. Uh, Congress is out of town, uh, but uh, lots of shakeup at the uh, at the White House. Jared Kushner uh, apparently telling every people, uh, telling people that he doesn't care if he, what John Kelly says. Uh, he only has an interim security clearance. For some strange reason, he cannot get a permanent security clearance. We wonder what that is. And he says uh, he is still going to stay on the job and do everything he's doing. Uh, he doesn't care what John Kelly says. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, meanwhile, the president holding a listening session today on uh, ideas about gun safety, none of which he will uh, pay any attention to. 
while his son is over in India making money for the entire family, selling the Trump brand all over the world. And we'll find out about that with our guest, Adam Smith, from uh, Every Voice. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm good. Good to be back. All right. Surprised you're not in India following Donnie around. Uh, I but. wish. <laughs> <laughs> so Adam's with us for the first half hour here, uh, and uh, so are you. Remember, send us your comments about everything going on on Twitter, at BP Show. But first... This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making yes, news. Sir. Bill, we're still on the Black Panther beat after it has made How so much money. Much now? money. They've made so much money. Well, here's the thing. I still haven't seen it. You got to go see it. You got to go see it. Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport in Atlanta tweeted out a photo yesterday showing that they are now offering direct flights to Wakanda, the fictional <laughs> African nation featured oh. in the movie. They just tweeted out a photo of the uh, the gate sign that said Wakanda leaving at 7.30, flight number 1234, saying, quote, the bags are packed, hashtag Wakanda forever. Now, you cannot actually buy a ticket to Wakanda <laughs> since it is not a real place, but they thought they'd have a little fun with it and good for them. Uh, and you know what? They're probably suckers who showed up for the flight. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. Uh, good we mor- are talking Georgia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good morning and congratulations to Linda Belcher. Linda Belcher is a Democrat, a former state legislator who lost her seat uh, in the Trump landslide in Kentucky in 2016. Well, she came back and reclaimed her seat. Mm. It was a district that went for Donald Trump is what Donald Trump won the district by. How did Linda Belcher do? She won, defeating the GOP opponent, Rebecca Johnson, 68 to 32. It was not close. I think this is now 37 legislative seats. Is this a congressional or legislative? It's a legislative Legislative. seat. I think it's 37 that Democrats have flipped. I think you're right. Yes, I believe you're right. But Kentucky, whoa. Kentucky in in bright red Kentucky. By the way, a new study coming out of California says, University of California, you want to live a long life? Smoke pot. No. Eat right. Maybe you don't have to exercise as much as you thought that you did, because the thing that they say is, have one glass of beer or wine per day. I mean, we've seen studies like this before, and they say that this is... The latest uh, information, this is from the Neurology Department of the University of California. They said that modest drinking improves longevity. Uh, Two glasses of beer or wine per day were nearly 20% less likely to experience a premature death. And one glass of wine or beer uh, beer per day will help you live past 90 years old. I guess I'm going to live a long time. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it's never too early to crack that first beer, Bill. We're all going to be centenarians. Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast. Search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes and catch the highlights from every show. On this Wednesday, February 21, the Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed, students made the first stand yesterday from Florida, made the first stand in that the state legislature in Tallahassee 
State legislators were not happy to see them, and they basically rebuffed them by refusing to even consider, to even open debate on a measure to ban assault weapons in Florida. But the students are determined uh, to keep up the fight. Good for them. Um, they're on the right track. They're coming up to Washington for a big march on March uh, on March 24 here in Washington. And you can bet they'll be seen in Tallahassee again before uh, the end of the year. It is a great day here for all of us in uh, in the United States. And lots and lots of new lots of news to talk about. That's our job uh, here on the Bill Press Show. Whether it's online on YouTube, YouTube.com/slash The Bill Press Show, on TV, on Free Speech TV, and on the radio out in the Greater Chicago area, WCPT, the Progressive Voice of Chicago. We'll tell you what's going on. You tell us what it all means to you. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Adam Smith joins us from the great organization Every Voice, uh, which is particularly um, focused on money in politics and how to get the big money out of politics and people who are maybe um, using the political system to enrich themselves. Oh, I wouldn't be talking about the Trump family, Adam. Hello. Hey, hey, I'm, I'm doing well. And so here we got Donnie Jr., who's, okay, he's, he and Eric are head of the business, that's right? That's right, that's right. The first of all, that their father has nothing to do with anymore because <laughs> he has totally divorced himself mm. from the Trump business. Y- yes, he, uh, he, Trump did not divest from the business, and um, his sons have both said that they provide dad re- with regular updates. So uh, I, I think that he is pretty well in tune with what's going on with his business. Exactly. You know that he is, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. Okay, so- so while and so Donald Trump Jr. on the business side, so he's over in India. Yeah, they're opening a new condo over there, yeah. right? That has uh, the golden letters Trump on top of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has what actually those four. He actually has four properties. Four properties. Oh. Four, four deals. Properties happening. There, so this is one of those licensing deals where um, the yeah. other people build them. They put their names on it. But part of the deal he is does all over the world. Yes, but part of the deal is he actually has to go there occasionally, Don Jr. to try to sell them. So you know they had at newspaper advertisements that said Trump has arrived. Have you like in his, and like the run up to his arrival and. Um, People who put down payments on the condos while he's there this week will actually get to have dinner with him. Um, and then the wild thing is tomorrow he's giving a speech. Well, I want to get to that. Yeah, but, yeah. But, so how much are these condos going for? Uh, you know, I actually don't know the exact wonder, price. You know. But, um, you know, they how are many probably— people in India can afford— yeah, a condo in a Trump Tower. It's a good question, but I bet like the you know as the U.S. tries to work on trade agreements um, or other things with the Indian government, it would be a steal for a wealthy Indian businessman to buy one of these condos this week. Then he gets access to lobby yeah. the president's son. So right. say Don Jr. hears from five businessmen about why a trade deal on or tariffs on this or that would be good. You think he's not going to go back? To his dad and say, Dad, I heard this things from these meetings. I mean, that would go against everything we know about the Trump family. This is all about buying access. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's all about selling the presidency, really. Yes. Isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely right. And it raises these real conflict questions. One, on our side, is how do these sales, how does Trump business in India impact how
how we're how American foreign policy is decided. And on the Indian side, you have to look at some of these business partners are have ties to the national parties there. There's no way they don't have ties to the government. And will then government officials say, uh, we need to do this or this to make sure we keep uh, one of our business people happy and impress the president? No, you can see on so on their side, right? They may not think this is kosher, right? Yeah. But they don't dare not show up. Yeah, absolutely. If they don't show up, then... They're not going to – they won't have any access, yeah. really. They're, they're not going to be a player. Yeah, and everything we've seen from the president is he's a kind of guy who holds grudges. He uh, will re, he will uh, react to people who he feels like do him wrong. And you could absolutely see his son – going. his son was at Mar-a-Lago with him last weekend. He talks to Don Jr. all the time. There's no way they he doesn't know what's going on. And there's no way Trump hasn't asked about – Trump has seen all right. the news this week. There's no way he's not going to say – uh, hey, what happened? Right. And you actually had one of the business partners for him in India saying that tell the Times that it's absolutely true that the name and the ties to the presidency are incentivizing people from buying this. All right. So there you've got the business side of it. Yeah. That's already bad enough. Yeah. Now you start to get to this. On top of this, what is it, today or tomorrow? What? Yeah. He's giving a major, I'm sorry, foreign policy speech? <laughs> yeah. It, He's talking about Indo-Pacific sure relations. Is. What the hell? Who is he? It is, I know. And there is this one quote where like, the spokespeople said, you know, other prominent business leaders like the head of Netflix and Uber will also be speaking. I was like, please don't compare yourself, uh, Trump's large adult son, to uh, people from Netflix and Uber. But, um, yeah, it's a good question. Nobody seems to know what he's going to say. There's a story in the Huffington Post yesterday where you had a State Department spokesman say, I, I don't know what he's going to say. Uh, I saw the State Department has nothing to do do with this trip, right? Yeah. No, yes. No, that's that's about what they're it. saying. Yeah. They're not involved yeah. in it. Yeah. I, I, sort of, I believe that. I do too. And the Sarah Huckabee Sanders says, oh, this is a private citizen. But the thing is, when you're the president's son, if you're speaking at a global business summit right before Prime Minister Modi speaks, how is it not going to influence American And your policy? name is Donald Trump yeah. Jr. Yeah. It's yeah. just either it's either like naive of the Trump people or they just don't care. He is speaking for the administration. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what does he know about Indo-Pacific relations? He knows about his condo. That's about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. No, no, exactly. It's outrageous. And so, again, uh, that's such an important country and mm -hmm. such, a, such a powerful and longtime ally of ours, right? But the idea that be taken over by Donnie Jr., right, who, as part of a, a, yeah. a huckster. I mean, he is a huckster, and he's over there, you know, pumping or pimping these condos and, meanwhile, being recognized as a spokesperson for the United States of America on Indo-Pacific relations. Yeah, there's uh, people won't, we might, he, like the State Department might be able to say this has nothing to do with us. We don't see a difference. People don't see that broadly. People see Donald Trump Jr. as Donald Trump's son, and what he says is what is similar to what his dad thinks. Okay. So, obviously, he's in this for the money. He's making, but but he's not the only one. I mean, this money, part of this, this has gone right into his daddy's pocket, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Trump still owns the Trump organization. Um, he is not divested from it. Just because he doesn't have day-to-day -day dealings mean he doesn't make money from it. And he didn't create a blind trust like he was supposed to. So he'll see these stories. He'll see uh, condos being sold know that it goes to him. Just like money spent at his hotel in D.C. or anywhere else. Or Mar-a-Lago. Everything... Uh, uh, goes to him. Right. 
Uh, it's it's funny that you mentioned uh, the Mar-a-Lago because um, I, I on the train the other day sat down alongside of some guy recognized me right away and all he wanted to talk about was Mar-a-Lago <laughs> and about how often Trump goes there yeah and who's paying for it what is the story of Mar? First, uh, uh, well, we know one thing: anytime he goes to one of his properties, it's it's a it's a big sales job for his property, right? Yes. It's, it's whether it's Free Sterling, Virginia. Or um, Bedminster, New Jersey, yeah. or Mar-a-Lago. It's free advertising. It's, yes, it's free advertising, and it is assigned to uh, people that if they get a membership there, they may get access to the president. Um, you know, over the weekend there are two stories about how uh, he was surveying guests at Mar-a-Lago, both about mm-hmm. uh, gun issues and gun safety issues, as well as whether he should fire John Kelly. So it's like, do you do you want to weigh in on? Uh, White House staffing or policy, buy a $200,000 membership to Mar-a-Lago. If you want to influence Donald Trump uh, and have his ear, uh, rather than run for Congress or be a United States senator or member of Congress, yeah. become a member of Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. Listen, yeah. listen, everything we know about Donald Trump, right, who do you think he would, whose opinion he would take more seriously? A, a lifelong servant to the country who is mm-hmm. there to serve the country and wants to give the president their best advice or someone who who lined Donald Trump's pocket. Exactly. That's exactly right. And the thing is, all this yeah. is happening. Like, he's profiting off the presidency. Some drunk at the bar in right. Mar-a-Lago. Right. Yeah. Uh, d- you, talking about Eric Jr. Or Eric, right? Oh. Um, uh, 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 sorry, that was offensive. Um, uh, but he's doing this. The thing that. is that, like, stick with me, is he's doing this. He's profiting off the presidency. Taxpayers are covering it. All the while, everyone, they're, like, they're trying to, like, gut, require uh, work payments for Medicaid and uh, trying to cut Social Security, all these austerity budget measures, while he's profiting off the presidency. And it really like sticks out to me that um, where his priorities are. His priorities are me- uh, profiting, personally profiting while like hurting everyone else. Okay. So the, but now back to this question of Mar-a-Lago. When, yeah. when he goes there, uh, it, it costs taxpayers a pretty yeah. penny. Doesn't yeah, it? it's unclear sort of how much money is being spent. We have some Secret Service stuff. Um, I think the estimate's about $3 million a trip. Um, That's what I've heard. B- because it's the cost of the Air Force One. Um, like last weekend was pure pleasure, right? There was no business. I, he did go to oh, yeah, Parkland, but there's no way he would have gone to Parkland last weekend if he wasn't going to Marlowe. Uh, no Paris. way. There's no, no way. Um, right. But yeah, some of that. So it's unclear. Like Most uh, weekends he goes down there. It's just to play golf. Yes, that's absolutely right, and it's unclear how like are how so, much rooms cost are like is are are they paying for X amount of rooms for the White House staff that's there? So if it's unclear about that, so we don't have a true picture of how much money uh, is actually being spent at Mar-a-Lago. Well, uh, yeah, because they'll never tell us that. Yeah, but you know, the rooms are not free. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's uh, right. They're, they're taking up rooms for the top staff. And for some Secret Service, I'm sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, it, look, the president has to be protected. So I don't. He's got to have Secret Service protection. But in terms of somebody's paying for all those rooms, yeah. And somebody's paying for the meals, and all that's going into the Mar-a-Lago budget, which is bottom line, Donald Trump. Yeah, that's the difference between when you know George Bush went to his ranch or when Obama went to Hawaii. That money wasn't going into their pockets, right? This money is absolutely going into Trump's pockets. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and is that legal? 
Uh, you know, uh, it's a good question. Uh, I think the the question, yeah, probably. Uh, this, the government paying, because the government can pay whoever they want um, to, yeah, for their I stays and right. that sort of thing. It, it, um, it stinks, but it, 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 I think Donald Trump has found a way to, A, run for president, and B, serve as president while making tons of money. Yeah, absolutely right. And he has turned the presidency into uh, you know, a big cash ring. Yes. And when he goes to these places, he's going like last weekend he went to some Studio 54 disco party that they had in Mar-a-Lago. Like like the night before he ended Wait, up, Donald Trump at a disco well, party. Well, there's a picture of him. The thing about reporting in the Trump era is you always have to look at Instagram. And so there, there are all these Instagrams of him at these places. So there's he and Melania are just sitting on this couch at this disco party. It's like, uh, and it's it's a really funny picture. But um, that but the thing is, people go and have these events. Oh, they, yeah. they book these events because they know Trump will show up and crash them. Mm, right. Oh, I see. At at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. 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 It makes sense. Uh, you, could, you could plan your wedding at Mar-a-Lago, right? He yeah. might show up. Absolutely. Get a photo with the president of the United yeah. States. Yeah, well, one point at Bedminster. Birthday party. Yeah, one point at Bedminster. What's your kid's next birthday party, Peter? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We just I, had one this past week. It might be a little expensive, Damn. I will say. The, just missed it. Last month, the RNC, you know, they had that big fundraiser at Mar-a-Lago that Trump had to miss because of the oh, right. government shutdown. Yeah. The RNC paid Mar-a-Lago $62,000 last month. So I think events there are a little pricey. Um, so just, I don't know. Peter, I don't know your situation. Maybe you can't afford it, but I just want to throw that well, out there. Well, we just had a party. Or ah. we would have. We totally ah. would have. Gosh. Darn. <laughs> uh, and this gets uh, kind of brings around to something you and I have talked about before. Which is this little hotel on Pennsylvania yeah. Avenue, uh, right down the street here? Yeah, uh, a few blocks. Um, uh, how is that doing? And that again is one of Trump's money makers. Yeah, right? they're you know making tons of money. You know, I last month I think in the period of a week, both uh, the NRSC, the NRCC, the RNC, and Mike Pence all had events at that hotel. So he's making a ton of money off of it. Um, but uh, there is still that lawsuit uh, from the D.C. and Maryland government challenging whether he's violating the emoluments clause that way. And last month, a judge uh, was, appeared more sympathetic to that case than a judge had previously in another lawsuit. So we still have some. We still have, are waiting for an update on how that's going to go forward. And the, the General Services Administration with the lease has. Just basically look the other way. I mean, they have right? yes, yeah. I mean, they they approved it and look the other way. So even though the language said if you're a federal government employee or work with or you cannot have a lease with the federal government, here's the president of the United States violating clearly the terms of the lease, and the yeah, there, government does there is some definitely there are definitely some criticisms of the way GSA handled that. The memo that they said. That sort of um, approved all of this, and there's some, there are some real questions about that lease. But for now, it's everything they say is fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just want uh, uh, you mentioned Eric Trump. Donald Trump it does seem to be the up out front guy for the Trump business. Yeah, but you know he's not alone, right? I mean, Ivanka still has her line of. So Ivanka did the products, same, allegedly right? did the same thing that Trump did, right? That that she put somebody else in charge of the business, but yes. she didn't divest. The That's business. absolutely right. So she still so, makes money money from it. Those I mean, sweatshops in uh, you know all those foreign countries, she's still making money off of them. Right. I mean, I don't go 
online to the Ivanka to look out what I can buy from Ivanka Trump um, most days. But yeah. I mean, if you if I did, she's still got a line of clothing and accessories, correct? She absolutely does. Yeah, Ivanka, mm-hmm. which are being sold right now and yep. new licenses, for example, for China and other. Okay, and how about Melania? So Melania does not have any of her own. Um, she doesn't have a line of clothing or any of her own sort of stuff. She did, didn't she? Well, there was, you know, there is this situation when she was first inaugurated where um, the, the the her lawyer tried to say that her lawyer said that the presidency would help boost her image. Uh, and everybody said, oh, I can't believe you're saying that. But then the lawyer sort of removed that from a lawsuit. Yeah, right. there was a defama- it was a defamation lawsuit. Um but uh, no, she doesn't have any her own company or have her own line of stuff. Um, I wouldn't surprise if she did after she leaves, though. Depending on what the brand looks like, then. And how about Eric? Eric runs the company along with Don Jr. Um, but you don't see him out in front as much. Yeah, Maybe... he does some TV, but he's definitely not out. He he does some trips and some TV, but I think he's not as forward-facing as Don Jr. I think Don Jr. just really likes the attention. You know, he goes to fund Republican Party fundraisers um, around the country, and he's the one I think people see as the politician in the family, other than uh, the dad. But, um, yeah. I got to tell you, there may have been a George H.W. Bush and then a George W. Bush. There, There is no way that there's going to be a Donald Trump and then a Donald Trump Jr. in no. the White House. No, I don't think so. Of course, I didn't think they'd be the first. That, that's right. I was gonna say, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but um, the this whole question then uh, of money and politics yeah. has come up. Adam Smith is with us from Every Voice. It's everyvoice.org, right? Yep. Um, the question of money and politics has come up again in, in a big way in the last week mm-hmm. since Parkland, Florida, yeah. and particularly yesterday with uh, the state legislature in Florida. Um, Voting down, even even a measure to allow debate, yeah, uh, on a ban on assault weapons, uh, and you get right back to how much money the NRA was throwing around this Congress and throws around st- in state legislatures. Yeah, and I think they might even have more power in state legislatures just because they're smaller, they're, they're less expensive races. Get more for your buck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't cost you as much to buy a senator. That's right. That's right. And I've been really struck by. I mean, I've been really inspired by these students over the past week. I'm sure you've talked about this on the show um, and how they're. Uh, it's almost they they don't know that they're not that they're supposed to like be pessimistic, right? About they're supposed to think that stuff can't pass. Mm-hmm. Like they they don't know that, and so and what's also interesting to me is how much they tie money and politics issues to this they, fight. They they see it, man. They, they see the connection. Yes, and it's like even like Emma Gonzalez in her speech said, "If you're going to tell me you have thoughts and prayers, I'm going to ask you how much money you got from the NRA." Um, and that's been really interesting to me. Oh, whoa, whoa, there's an ad in the whoa, Times whoa, whoa, today, stop, right? Stop, 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 stop. You mentioned Emma Gonzalez, yeah. right? Well, no, she's a, a paid actor from Hollywood. Oh man, Did, didn't you know that? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It's so gross that these people are are trying to dismiss these students as paid actors. Right. You know it. I think it says it the says more about did, them than the, it says about the students. The guy who did that, uh, uh, a state aide to one of the representatives in Florida, who who put out that email, yeah. accusing two of these seniors of yeah. being paid actors from Hollywood, was fired yesterday. Yeah. Fortunately, but, but you know what? That that gets gets picked up. Yeah, I'm. I'm. 
Oh my God! Billy Graham died this morning. Oh, oh I was it. just a, I was just getting that ready. Uh, to this is a Bill Press show breaking news update. What Give can you, you tell us, Peter? Yeah, all I can tell you is that Billy Graham has passed away. He was ninety nine years old. Billy Graham Evangelist Evangelistic Association uh, told NBC News first. CBS News also reporting it. Uh, that's the that's all we have as of now. Just that he's passed away. Ninety nine years old. Yeah, certainly wow. powerful leader of the uh, yeah. evangelical movement for years and years, and uh, now his son Franklin. Talk Graham. about guys who have passed it on to their sons, right? Uh, like yeah, Franklin Graham will carry that. Right. Uh, so back to this. So this guy was fired for saying this, but it's yeah. it's, it's a typical uh, attack, right? Is to try to undermine uh, the leaders of any new uh, program or movement. Or That's right. To, to, That's people right. To, they did it with the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. All these women are liars. They're just liars. They're being. Yeah. They also said they were being paid by Democrats. Nancy Pelosi or whatever was raised by, to pay these women yeah. to lie about Republican politicians. Yeah. I, uh, tell Al Franken that. Right. Um, and then uh, the same thing with the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. with Kazir Khan. They said he was a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. He was a terrorist from Egypt. You know, the whole thing. Now they're saying these kids are uh, either paid actors or dupes of George yeah. Soros. I think it shows they know how weak their arguments are. The people, uh, uh, you know, on the other side, that they know that they they don't they can't stand up and say we uh, we can't have background checks, we can't get rid of the AR-15. They know how weak that is in this like day and age, and so they just have to attack the the messengers instead. Yeah, uh, and but the money does make. Sadly, for some politicians, the money does make a difference. I mean, several people pointed out Donald Trump himself in 2010 in a book that he wrote, uh, not Art of the Deal, one other phony book, um, somebody else wrote for him. Yeah, I'm going to say air quotes. Yeah. He wrote. Right, yeah. Uh, That he supported a ban on assault weapons and extensive background checks. Yeah. 30... the. NRA pay, spent $30 million, I believe. Something like that. The most they've ever spent on a presidential race. Uh, in 2016. Yeah. And then he went to, to their convention and said, you really came through for me and I'll be there for you, yeah. right? 100% or something. Yeah, no. And the NRA spends a lot of money and they also are able to turn out a lot of voters. So um, they, they have... And I think that some of that control they have over lawmakers is... Uh, They've scared a lot of lawmakers more than they need to be scared, um, I think. Uh, that I think Absolutely. people people support these gun safety measures more than they want to believe. Um, but it will take the high schoolers, it will take a real uprising of people to, to push back against the NRA to make this stuff happen. It's a, I think it's a political problem. It's not necessarily a policy problem. Right. Uh, but it comes down to, uh, interesting, last week I was— um, I went up to my high school in Wilmington, Delaware, where I graduated a couple of years ago, and uh, um, talking to some four um, junior and senior government classes. And we talked a lot about money in politics, and they get it. Yeah. They get it, right? That, that that it's almost like any issue you care about. Yeah. If it's environment, or if it's education, or if it's transportation, or climate change, or whatever, forever, nuclear power. The money in politics is the sort of underlying, I believe, impediment to getting anything yeah. done. Yeah. Were they were they cynical about it though? Were they thinking this means we can't? No. They were no. just like they were forward looking and positive about it. They were determined, determined. like these students are in Parkland, Florida. Oh, good. Okay. Or, well, p- put it this way: they certainly they weren't ready to start a national movement. Yeah. Like the students there, but they certainly recognize that this is a reality that kind of poisons politics. Yeah. Yeah. 
it, it's hard to miss. You know, it's you, you see it all the time. And I think that's what's so exciting about this younger generation is they. So they what's know, the answer? Well, what the answer? I mean, we believe, I believe that we need to figure out how do we not just reduce the power of big money, but how do we get more people and how do we increase participation um, in politics? And one way we think to do that. Uh, public financing programs, these small donor programs that allow candidates to run for office on the strength of the grassroots support. You know, Washington, D.C. Council just a couple weeks ago unanimously passed a matching fund program so that candidates who run for the city council uh, will receive a grant and have their small donations matched on a six-to-one basis. And Mayor Muriel Bowser's against it. Yeah, Yes, she allegedly is. Uh, I mean, she said she no, is. I interviewed her a yeah. couple of weeks ago on that point. That was one of the things we talked about. Yeah, but she, I think, is going to let it go into, we think she won't mm. sign the veto and will go into law without, the, without, without her veto. Yeah. Then the fight becomes in the budget. But, but didn't Bernie Sanders prove that you can do it without big money? Uh, I I think so. I mean, a national race is different than a local race. True. Um, so while I think you can raise small donations at the local level, you won't be able to raise them in the – likely well, not everybody will be able to raise them in the amount that Bernie Sanders did, so you need a little help, right? So you need that six-to-one match or mm. that five-to-one match on those small donations to make sure you have enough to be competitive either against a privately financed opponent or outside money. Right, yeah. But it's so important, and uh, I and I see more and more people talking about it and trying different things. We've talked about what they're doing in Seattle. Yeah, example, the vouchers right? program. Yeah, which is sends voters uh, people get tw- four twenty five dollar vouchers um, that they can give to the participating candidates of their choice, um, and that really democratizes elections because not everybody even has ten or fifteen dollars to give. Um, and yeah, you're seeing a lot of uh, experiments at the local and state level on this, um, on how do we do this in a way that is specific to our community, but also achieves these goals of participation and reducing the power of big money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and meanwhile, for those of you interested, we uh, we have heard that there are still some uh, vacancies in the uh, Trump Tower in uh, New Delhi. Um, That's right. So uh, right, <laughs> you've got about three million dollars. Uh, then you can have dinner with Donnie yeah, Jr. Yeah, you got to do it this week, though, if you want dinner with him. You oh, got to do it this week. What a okay. prize! Yeah, exactly. Hey, Adam, great to see you. Yeah, thanks. For thanks me. for all the good work you're doing on a very important issue. Again, it's uh, Every Voice, EveryVoice dot org, and we will uh, be right back. Thank you, uh, Adam. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. And here we go now with uh, The Bill Press Show on a Wednesday, Wednesday, February 21. Uh, Thanks for joining us, friends, online, on YouTube, uh, at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Thanks for joining us on Free Speech TV and on WCPT out in uh, Chicago. By the way, going to be heading out to Chicago soon um, next month for a big rally uh, about my new book, From the Left. I'll tell you more about it later, but and we'll tell you once we get a date and a place for that big Chicago event and uh, want to see uh, as many of you there as possible. The breaking news as we head into our last little time together here, uh, just before the break, we learned that the Reverend Billy Graham uh, dead this morning at the age of 99, born in 1918. Um, uh, certainly a very powerful figure in the United States. And, you know, I have a mixed, uh, I never met him, uh, I, but I have a, a mixed reaction uh, to Billy Graham. I mean, on the positive side, he was one of the great faith leaders uh, of this country that we've ever had. 
uh, a, a very charismatic figure um, who did so much to inspire millions and millions of Americans. I mean, at his peak, you know, Billy Graham would hold rallies, and he, I mean, he would fill Yankee Stadium. The Billy Graham Crusades. Billy Graham I've Crusades. I've been to a couple of those. Is that right? Yeah, when I was a yeah. kid, my parents used to take me to see the Billy Graham Crusades. Yeah, I mean, tens of thousands of people turn out for those. And uh, By the way, yeah. it was the football stadium yeah. in Columbia, South Carolina. Is that right? Yeah. Where the Gamecocks play, filled. Filled with people, tens of thousands of people. Right, right. And it was real, you know, and he was real. And he really did with a, with a, a very powerful, upbeat message uh, and took those uh, rallies and that crusade uh, all across the country. Um, I'm not sure. I would, no, I, I, didn't, I don't think there's anybody today who could do what Billy Graham did then, who has that kind of appeal, uh, that kind of presence, that kind of a, uh, of a powerful message. And so... He'll certainly be uh, remembered for that. I think the negative is that he'll also be remembered for the person who really got started us down this path of, pardon me, mixing religion and politics uh, and sort of tearing down the wall of separation between church and state because Billy Graham, um, maybe, you know, again, it's this magic of that access to the powerful politicians, but he really became best buddy with a total skunk, a total non-religious person by the name of Richard Nixon, a horrible president. And Billy, Billy Graham became one of his best friends and loved hanging out with him at the White House and defended him till the end. Watergate, all of that stuff, Billy Graham was still right there alongside of Richard Nixon publicly uh, defending him. So, And I, I, think he, I think he did the faith movement um, a lot of harm and a, and a lot of disservice by the way, which continues to today, that the evangelical community today, starting again, I think it started right there with Billy Graham. You cannot convince me otherwise uh, uh, that it started the evangelical movement being a puppet of the Republican Party. And in effect today is nothing more, I believe, than an extension of the Republican National Committee. That's what the evangelical movement is today, led by guess whom? Franklin Graham Donald, uh, Billy Graham's son, who has gone right down the path and who now defends Donald Trump, by the way, for things that were worse than what Richard Nixon did. Certainly when it comes to personal uh, ethics, uh, when it comes to Christian values, uh, I have to say Donald Trump a lot worse, a lot worse than, uh, than Richard Nixon and Franklin Graham uh, all the stuff, the sexual assault, uh, you know, Franklin Graham is, well, Donald Trump said he didn't do it, and I believe Donald Trump. Same thing with Roy Moore. Roy Moore said he didn't do it, uh, and, I believe, uh, and I believe Roy Moore. So um, I think yeah, the fact it's, that— it's, 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 it's just there's, there's, no, there's no daylight today between the evangelical movement and anything that any Republican says or does. That's 100% true. Yeah. I mean, look at look at where we are. Look at what we have now, right? I have this conversation with my religious parents all the time. We have the most hedonistic, morally bankrupt human that we've ever had as president. And you know what? He's got yeah. the head evangelical in the country as his he, vice president, right. Mike Pence. He's got all these evangelicals that are lining up to support him, and he hides behind them. And th that's now the blueprint, right? Like, 
Totally. Nixon did it with Billy Graham. Yep. Uh, and it started with Billy Graham. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So with all the good things that are going to be said about him today, rightfully so, uh, and all the people that he did inspire uh, and move as a Christian leader, you've got to say uh, he also started us down the wrong path uh, when it comes to identification of religion and uh, politics. Uh, Meanwhile, back to the news of the day. Uh, Yes, indeed, uh, the motif, of course, now, the big uh, twist if you will, for the White House on the Robert Mueller investigation, or I'm, I'm sorry, on the um, Russian involvement in the election, yes, and the Mueller investigation, which is looking into that, is that, uh, hey, Donald Trump saying, don't blame me. Remember, we started with uh, Donald Trump first with a tweet and then Sean Hannity with the show last night. Don't blame me. Blame Barack Obama. I mean, it started under him, didn't it? Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, picking this theme up again at the... Uh, briefing yesterday. They're discussing this process and going through and looking every single day at the best ways forward. Everybody wants to blame this on the Trump administration. Let's not forget that this happened under the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Blame Barack Obama. And while you're at it, uh, blame the FBI. Because, you know, um, they were, they would have picked up, right, about this uh, school shooting in Parkland, Florida, and something might happen down there. But the problem, the reason they didn't is because they were too busy trying to uh, nail Donald Trump for cooperating with the Russians. Yeah, Sarah Huckabee Sanders actually uh, doesn't back down, repeats that yesterday. We would like our FBI agencies to to not be focused on something that is clearly a a hoax in terms of investigating the Trump campaign. Uh, it's just pathetic. Clearly a hoax. Clearly a hoax. After last Friday's indictment uh, of 13 Russians, where with excruciating detail, Robert Mueller and Rod Rosenstein, Deputy Attorney General, laid out exactly what the Russians were doing, when they started, where they went, how much money they spent, what they did, all in terms of undermining the uh, and influencing and, if you will, tilting uh, the 2016 election to Donald Trump. After all of that detail, Donald Trump and Sarah Huckabee Sanders both say, no, uh, it was still a hoax. And back to whether or not uh, Barack Obama should have done more. Damn right he should have. Yes. And we know why he didn't. He didn't because uh, everybody thought Hillary was going to win. Uh, that if publicly he they criticized privately, he did tell Putin. We were told at the White House at the time, I was there, that he had told Putin this is unacceptable, pull your people off, and Putin just said we're not doing anything. Uh, but publicly the president didn't condemn Russia at the time or didn't do anything against Russia at the time, uh, again, because he thought by doing so that he would have been interfering in the election and given Donald Trump even more reason to whine, remember, as he was doing every day about this election, it was already rigged because he knew he was going to lose. At least he believed he was going to lose. So, sure, President Clinton should have done more then, but Donald Trump's been president now for a year and a half, and it was under Donald Trump's presidency that it all came out exactly what the Russians had done. And the white—I told you this yesterday, reminded you of this yesterday, but it's worth repeating— And under Donald Trump, 17 intelligence agencies came out and said Russia interfering in the election to try to help throw it to Donald Trump 
the entire United States Congress has voted for more sanctions on Russia because they said Russia interfered in the election and tried to throw it to Donald Trump. And now the Department of Justice, Donald Trump's Department of Justice, and the FBI have all said the same thing, and yet Donald Trump has still not even acknowledged what Russia did, has not condemned what Russia did, hasn't taken any actions to punish Russia for what they did, nor is Donald Trump doing anything to prevent Russia from doing the very same thing in the midterm elections. So, yeah, don't, 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 get a, don't think you're going to get away with blaming it on Barack Obama. What are you doing, Mr. President? What are you doing now to protect not just your presidency, to protect American democracy, to protect our fundamental democratic system, which is the very heart of who we are. That's and a the good fact que- is, he, a, he won't do anything. It's a, it's a good question. Why won't he do anything? Because he wouldn't be here if it weren't for that. Right. He wouldn't be here. And he believes that any acknowledgement that Russia did anything takes away the legitimacy of his presidency and means that he didn't win it on his own. It's all about him again. It's all about that ego, right? Uh, and that's what's that's what's uh, driving uh, everything. So, meanwhile, the Russian, uh, as we said before, the um, Mueller investigation just keeps charging on. Uh, and it's worth noting there is yet another person. Boy, things other shoes are starting to drop. Uh, yet another person. This was the a Dutch diplomat who has pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI. And he was a guy, sort of a minor player, but he was involved with Rick Gates and Paul, Danif- Paul Manafort. And so he now has, has, like George Papadopoulos, has admitted, this just happened, has admitted to lying to the FBI in, when, when they questioned him about his relationship with uh, Rick Gates and Paul Manafort. He is now cooperating with Mueller. Uh, as we mentioned and was reported yesterday, according to the L.A. Times, Rick Gates himself has now said he will cooperate with Mueller against Paul Manafort. So those two are talking. George Papadopoulos is talking. Uh, Robert Mueller is flipping one after another, which again shows how serious they are, how serious this is for the uh, for the Trump White House. Uh, on another topic, I uh, wanted to mention uh, last night the White House Correspondents Association, we, we had a s- Association, we had a special meeting down at the uh, Decatur House on Lafayette Park, right uh, right across the street from the White House. A very interesting panel with um, two press secretaries. One, the current press secretary, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, and with her, the former press secretary for press secretary for former governor, former president, Bill Clinton, Mike McCurry. Uh, Two points that uh, I want to mention to you. One is Mike McCurry, who, when he came to the White House under Bill Clinton, the first thing he said was, you know what, we should do what we did at the State Department. We should allow cameras in the briefing room. They They weren't there before then. But the difference was that at the State Department, you could have cameras filming the briefing, but you couldn't do it live. Cable companies, cable state networks could not go live. They could only use little snippets from the briefing video 
in the news when they reported on the briefing later in the day. Uh, at the White House, Mike McCurry said, no, cameras are in, and yeah, you want to take it live, you can take it live. Uh, he said last night he thinks that's the biggest mis mistake he made, um, that he should never have done it. He wishes he had not allowed yeah, cameras, yes, but no live coverage of the briefings because he's, he pointed out that they have become nothing but a clown show, nothing but entertainment, he said. There's too much theater uh, and not enough substance. Well, and so therefore we should uh, take the cameras out. You know what? I totally disagree with him. He is right. This The briefings have become a circus. But when did they become a circus? With Sean Spicer and Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Because they throw out so much crap. And, and the reporters respond. And that has made the briefings really much more antagonistic and hostile and sometimes just out of control than they ever were. I mean... Yeah, we got a lot of BS, and I told you about that at the time, from Robert Gibbs and or from uh, uh, Josh Ernest and Jay Carney. Um, but it was civil, and there was a good exchange back and forth, and we would push back, and they would push back. But it was all sort of at an intelligent, substantive level. I mean, today, it's just they throw insults, they lie. You know, they, the briefings get later and later every day. They're shorter and shorter. And there is a real hostility. It's almost like open warfare in there. I, I know we've moved very, very quickly in this last year or so since Donald Trump became president. But let's not forget, Saturday, Saturday Night Live got one of their best skits in a long time out of Melissa McCarthy playing Sean Spicer. Oh, God. Yeah. And, yeah. She, and literally, like, the skit essentially was her showing up. At one point, she had a water gun she was shooting the press with. She had a motorized podium that she was mowing down members of the press with. Popping pills. But, yeah, exactly. And yeah. so, like... Yeah. That, uh, you, Sean Spicer. That was Spicer. Right. That was Spicer, and it's only continued with Sarah Huckabee. Absolutely. Sanders. So, disagree with Mike Murray on that. But where I, Mike McCurry on that, where I had to really totally agree with him is where... Um, he, he turned to Sarah Huckabee Sanders and he said, look, uh, and talk about relations between, that's what the panel was about, between the press corps and the White House. He said, it's impossible. It's never going to get any better as long as your guy keeps talking about fake news, as long as he calls us the enemy of the American people. And then he turned to her and he said, you have to tell your president that he has to change the way he speaks about the media. Uh, very powerful, right to her face. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders really had nothing to offer for that because Donald Trump does hate the media. He's made it very, very clear, other than Fox News, particularly Fox and Friends. So it was a uh, very interesting uh, panel last night. Um, but we come back to the big story of the day, which is uh, what's happening on the uh, gun safety front. Yesterday, a disappointing day for the students from uh, Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. They piled into buses, three busloads of students down to the, up, up to the uh, state capitol uh, in Tallahassee. And it turned out to be a very uh, important day because one of the Democratic representatives, um, by, by far in the minority in the state legislature, uh, had introduced a bill last October to um, ban assault weapons in California. Uh, I'm sorry, in Florida, uh, and decided this would be a good day to see if we can get a vote on it. So he made introduced a motion to allow debate on a ban for an assault weapons ban. So first, like in the Congress, with a filibuster, they have to vote to vote 
They vote to consider this. Yes, we will take this up, or no, we will not take this up. And with the students there in the balcony, some of them in tears when they saw what happened. The state legislature, what do they care about the uh, students in Parkland, Florida? They showed it yesterday. A uh, Republican legislature voted 71 to 36, not even to allow a debate, not to allow a vote, not to take up the measure to ban assault weapons. Now, they might have taken it up and voted it down. They probably would have. But they wouldn't even, not they even didn't have even it. have the backbone to take the, to allow a vote. You know why? Because they can't defend it. They can't defend their position. They cannot make a case why anybody needs an AR-15. And so they just duck it. Um, a disappointing round one for these students. But let me tell you, that's just round one. These, these students, uh, I made this point yesterday also on CNN, they're not going away. Stephen Colbert last night said the country belongs to these kids. They are not going away. They are determined, number one, determined. First of all, they've, they've had an experience none of us have had. They looked right down the barrel of an AR-15. You know, they, they, they looked around. They saw their friends shot and killed uh, by, and, and mowed down by that AR-15 and three of their teachers. They're never going to forget that. And they're never going to just accept the fact that we can't do anything about it and that they can't do something to make other kids and themselves safer uh, in the future. Uh, so this is a movement I think that's really going to take, is already starting to take fire in this country. And shame on the people who are trying to uh, to oppose them by attacking them and by slurring them and by slandering them uh, one state legislative aide who was fired yesterday in Florida who put out an email saying, oh, I saw two of those students, two of those seniors. Yeah, they're just paid Hollywood actors. No evidence. Not true. Not true. Put it out there. Uh, got fired for it. Uh, somebody who didn't get fired for it, uh, for saying basically the same thing, former Republican congressman Jack Kingston, who is a paid CNN contributor, who is paid by CNN, to say crap like this, which he did yesterday morning on CNN on New Day, talking to Allison Camerata. Uh, by the way, she really, she really, did, she didn't take this crap from him without firing back. So this guy, Jack Kingston, saying, uh, these students, uh, they're all just pawns of uh, left-wingers like George Soros. Do we really think that, and, and I say this sincerely, do we really think 17-year-olds on their own are going to plan a nationwide rally I, I would say to you very plainly that uh, organized groups that are out there, like mm -hmm. George Soros, are always ready to take the charge, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like instant rally, instant protest. Yeah. You can hear Allison. She's just waiting. She was ramping up, man. She was ramping up. She was just waiting. And she did. She jumped in, and she said, look, Jack, I'm paraphrasing, but she said, I was down there. You weren't. I was in that school. She was talking to these kids before they even knew how many of their fellow students had been killed. She said, they're for real. They're not being paid by anybody. You know, what the hell? They don't even know who George Soros is. But this idea that you personally attack these kids after what they've been through is, is just despicable. And I repeat the fact it's also despicable that this guy was paid by CNN to say that uh, on, on national television. But you know what? I made this point earlier. I just want to repeat it. Jack Kinston is showing his ignorance, and he's also showing his age. He doesn't understand. Times have changed. Man, he doesn't know anything about the social media. 
I mean, look at the look at the women's march on Washington, which started with just somebody putting out a tweet and a woman in Hawaii saying to a couple of friends, "We ought to have a march in Washington." A million people showed up. There are different ways of building a movement today. We saw with the Black Lives Matter movement. We've seen it with the Me Too movement. And this is the latest, which is why I'm so hopeful about it. And through the social media, you're damn right. I mean, there's a protest two days ago in front of the White House. Kids lying down Pennsylvania Avenue in front of the White House. There's movement in Tallahassee. There are branches, if you will, of the Parkland student movement popping up all over the country. They've not only planned this massive march in Washington. We're already getting calls from friends about who want to come to Washington for this march, just like the Women's March on March 24. Uh, There's not only going to be this big march in Washington, there's going to be marches all around the country at the same time. I'm, I'm really, really, I really do believe that this student movement is uh, getting traction, is going to continue to grow and to grow, and is going to make a difference when it comes to sensible gun safety. Not yet. Not yet. Didn't happen yesterday. But that is just the beginning. Uh, so good for them. And uh, <clears throat> hopefully we'll never hear from people like Jack Kingston again. Hey, that does about does it for today, folks. Uh, I want to leave the uh, leave you alone for the rest of the day and hope you have a great day. But reminding you one more time of an opportunity here. I uh, hope you'll take advantage of an opportunity to get a copy of my new book coming out uh, just about a month from now called From the Left, Life in the Crossfire. Uh, lots of good stories about all the uh, some of the great times and interesting experiences that I've had, uh, both working for Jerry Brown, uh, working in the media down in Los Angeles, uh, covering the war in um, Croatia and the war in Nicaragua, coming back here hanging out with uh, Barack Obama at the uh, White House and Bill Clinton at the White House. Uh, And then on to the Bernie Sanders campaign. It's all here and from the left. Go to BillPressShow.com and get your copy. Have a great day. Come back and see us again tomorrow. This is the Bill Press Show.